At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed, have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters five through seven to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. Today to be an amazingly victorious day for our King Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I know it's raining. I know it's the early service, but it's an amazingly victorious day for Jesus for a number of reasons. So I'd like you just to remain on your feet for just a moment and tell you about uh, one of the victories that we're going to experience here today. Uh, uh, in my opinion, the sign of a healthy church is one that equips the saints for the work of the ministry, right? This is what Paul told us was the goal of the Ephesian Christians, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry because the church is not about the personality of a man or a woman. The church is not about one person or one family. The church is the saints equipped to do the work of the ministry of one personality, and that's the personality of Jesus Christ, the church's bridegroom, the church's Lord and Savior. Amen? Okay, so it's, it's a privilege of mine uh, to, to share some of the duties of preaching today uh, with one of our deacons. Eddie Cartledge uh, is a, a faithful brother. Yeah, you can, you can clap for him now if you want. Was, there's going to be a time to clap later, but they just want to clap, brother. They just want to clap for what God has done and is doing in, in your life. So yes, I'm so grateful that Eddie is going to be delivering the word of truth today. Uh, but this is his first time preaching on a Sunday morning here with us. He's been faithful on Wednesdays, uh, as many of you have seen and heard, uh, so we want to commission him to the task of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ and preaching the authoritative word of Jesus Christ. So if you would please just extend a hand uh, towards Eddie right now, hallelujah, yeah. Father, I pray that you would equip this, your son, your servant, for the ministry of the word today. Holy Spirit of the living God, continue to have your way in him and with him. Continue to anoint him, that there is an anointing on him to preach good news to the poor. There is anointing on him to deliver freedom to the captive. There is an anointing on him to bring in the year of Jubilee. Jesus, this was your sermon that you preached when you came out of the wilderness, quoting the prophet Isaiah, saying, this is what I have come to bring. And we receive that now in Jesus' name through the word of the Lord. So I pray that you would equip this, my brother, your servant, uh, that we would hear, we would receive, we would obey the word of the Lord for your glory alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Together we say amen and amen. Let's give God praise for our brother. Thank you. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, children, you can go to kids' ministry right now. Kids are released to kids' ministry, and we can all take our seat as the worship team exits the stage. Good morning. I am so grateful and blessed to be here today. Um, this has been one of my biggest dreams uh, coming up as a kid. Uh, I always thought the preachers and the deacons were the best people in church. Now I get to experience that. And I'm grateful to be able to experience it with you guys today. Uh, as Pastor Ryan said, for those of you who don't know me, I am Eddie Carlich, a deacon here. It's my wife, Catherine Carlich. She also has the privilege of being a deaconess here. So, um, but I want you guys to think about freedom, freedom for a minute. Um, what does freedom really mean to you? 
Freedom is the custom moment that has birthed a revival of a conversation that sits near the soul of every human being. Freedom. Freedom and the concept of freedom is more than a conversation point. It's an idea, a construct, a non-negotiable right, a trigger word, an agenda, an aspirational value. Are we losing our freedom? You have to ask yourself that. The question is sure to spark a passionate debate. We talk about all kinds of freedom when we speak about freedom. We talk about religious freedom, financial freedom, personal freedom, psychological freedom, social freedom. Of course, you know about freedom of the speech and freedom of the press, freedom of association, and there's so many others. But how do you, find, how do you define true freedom? What does true freedom mean to you? Everybody got a different way of looking at what do freedom mean to them. Do we have it? Did we ever have it? Can you go out and get it? Is free, freedom is the power or the right to act, speak, and think however we please without any resistance. then we can make an argument for being the freest society in history. But if you think about it, we aren't really free, are we? Just think about it. Are we really free to act, speak, and think however we please without any resistance? Are we free to do whatever we want wherever we want? Are we free to say anything to anyone in any setting? Are we free to kill or destroy? It's a lot of questions. Freedom asks a lot of questions, but look down inside of your heart. Uh, Brother Keith just had you examine yourself, so now you can examine yourself again about the freedom. I hope we all agree that the answer to all these questions I just asked you should be no. No, we can't do none of that without any resistance. If freedom is defined as living without any boundaries, then freedom changes from something good and something that wants to harm us. Is self-resistant true freedom or is it indulgence? Or is it living for yourself? Tell you, me and my me and my wife was in Speedway the other day. We were standing behind a lady. Lady had some scratch offs in her hand. She told the lady. She gave them to the lady, and she said, uh, "I want to use these." It was some kind of different kind of scratch. I had never seen them. I guess she got them on the computer. Uh, she gave them to the lady. Do you know the cashier? Told her, "We don't accept this here." We threw her stuff on the floor. The lady was polite about it, though. She picked it up and walked out the door. So, you know, and I'm in the middle of preparing for this sermon. 
So I says to myself, wow, that's her way of true freedom. She thinks she can do and say and act however she feels. But she don't, she don't know that she's still living in, she's still living in that, she's still a slavery for sin. She haven't crossed over yet. But we just pray for her. But now I want you to think about something else. I want you to think about the marketing table that people use this freedom for. Because if you think about it, Chase Bank has a credit card called Unlimited Freedom. Unlimited Freedom. Who knew Unlimited Freedom could come packaged in plastic? That you can get your freedom in a piece of plastic. And once you approve to receive this Unlimited Freedom, you're free to plunge yourself head first into an ocean of crippling debt. Or you can go out and buy you one of these little air freshener, car air fresheners, and they call this freedom too. Freedom of the road is what they call it. You know, they say this is how it sounds and this is how it smells. Plug it in your car for 30 days and you get unlimited road freedom. Wow. 30 days freedom. Then after that, I go out and buy me another freedom for 30 days. <laughs> Keep my freedom coming. Now, you see how this culture will take your freedom and wrap it up in a nice big bowl of limitations? The credit card gives you freedom to buy whatever you want. It gives you the boundaries of a credit limit. And then when you extend yourself beyond that boundary, it enslaves you with that high interest debt. That kind of freedom, you can't even use it all. And the Febreze here gives you the freedom to drive with any, without any bad odors in your car for 30 days until you use it beyond this time frame, then all those smells you tried to get rid of, now they're back. Now you can no longer enjoy that loving aroma that that open road freshness promised you. Yep, you're back enslaved to that. But if we think about enslaved, y'all, enslaved is a horrible, it's a horrible word because it's the opposite of freedom. But as we, today we'll be coming out of Romans 6, and we'll be looking specifically into verses 15 to, through 23, sorry. We will see that Paul takes the idea of slavery and he uses it as a metaphor to make a very powerful point. He says, everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. Everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. And that is going to be our big idea for today. That everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. That's hard to hear. It may sound offensive. It's certainly not politically correct. But the truth is, after is timeless, eternal, gracefully encouraged, and completely suited to our situation today. So let's unpack this all together. First, what, I want, what we're going to do is we're going to, to make this very understandable to you, we're going to, how about we just go on a flight? Everybody likes to fly. How about we just go on a flight? And we're going to go, let's think about somewhere sunny. How about we just go to Hawaii? So we're going to, let's get on Woodside Airlines, and we're going to go to Hawaii today. But we ain't going to take that hour trip. We're going to take about a 30-minute trip. So let's, let's, let's get ready to go on a flight. Now we're about to take off. I'm going to let you know when we get to the turbulence, because that's when I want you to buckle up. 
So right now, we're gonna, let, let's just get ready to take off. So this letter is the most robust explanation of the gospel we have in the entire Bible. So it's supposed to be deep. Down in here. The Apostle Paul has shown us both eternal, spiritual death, and earthly death that will come to everyone because everyone is just like Adam and Eve sin can come short of the glory of God. Sin is any action, word, or thought that falls short of God's standard. But the hope of the world is that Jesus, who met God's standard of perfection, died for the unrighteous so that through faith sinners can be saved by him from the wrath of God and called into the life of righteousness. This is God's glorious grace. So here is how one theologian described it. The work of God's grace. Sin is the transgression of the law. The death of Christ is the satisfaction of the law. Justification is the verdict of the law. And sanctification is the believer's fulfillment of the law. By God's grace, Paul says the Christian is no longer to be enslaved in sin. How does that make you feel? Instead, we are now set free from sin. So now that we've unpacked it, let's all tie it together. Okay, we're kind of about to level out now on our flight. Don't forget about we're on the flight now. Don't forget. The world's definition of freedom is fiction. The power or right to act, speak, and think however we please without any restraint is a false reality. A simple untruth or culture believes that any boundary or limitation are hindrance that kill freedom. Paul reminds us that there is no such thing as life without restraints, without any boundaries. We're all bound by something or someone. Everyone embraces some set of rules. We all have limitations. Spiritually, we just read how Paul so far as to say we are all enslaved. We are bound right now to either sin and unrighteousness or to work of, great, of God's grace, which produces righteousness, so the biblical story is that our actions, our words, and thoughts are serving someone or something. This takes us back to his shocking claim that everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. The, t the key question today is, whose slave are you? Now, Paul's noted, even though we have been made new in Christ by his grace, we're still, we're still battling against sin. That's why we call this series New-ish. Everything's changed, have you? Because it doesn't take long for the thought to cross our minds that I am under God's grace and free from the penalty of sin. What difference does it make if I sin? 
Apparently not. So it doesn't matter if I keep a little sin on the shelf in the pantry every now and then to go get the sin off the shelf and use it and put it back. Listen, to make being under grace an excuse for sinning is a sign that no one is not really under grace at all. To know whose slave you are, to know who it is you serve, you first have to ask, who do you obey? It's our first point for today. Who do you obey? So let's read verse 15 through 16. If you don't have a Bible, I think we have some back there. Or if you got, you know, if you got your phone, because I don't want you to just believe my words. I want you to hear, believe it for yourself and read it for yourself. He says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? So, should we continue to sin because we have seen God's grace? By no means. To make the point, Paul used a comparison that would have easily understood from their culture. In the first century Roman, it is estimated that one out of every three people were slaves. When you add in the free men who were formerly slaves, one out of every two people were either enslaved or used to be. The slave population was so massive that they abandoned the idea of slaves wearing unique clothing out of fear that it would reveal their strength and lead to possible revolt. The primary mark of slave is obedience, and Paul expects us to take the comparison beyond the cultural reality. He is saying that spiritually, whichever voice it is that you submit to, conform to, become submissive to, that is the personal thing with authority over your life. When he or she or it calls, you answer. When he, she, or it beckons, you move. And while there are limited options of what any of us can be submissive to, Paul boils the whole thing down to just two. Okay, we about to go into some turbulence. <laughs> so now I want y'all to buckle up. Don't nobody get up and move because you're going to, you know. <laughs> so verse 16 tells us that all humanity is either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. There is no third way. No third way. You only got two ways. We have all experienced the first kind of slavery, which leads to spiritual death. We're all invited into the second kind, which leads to spiritual life and freedom from sin. This whole metaphor wasn't created by Paul. He didn't innovate it. He wasn't the first to say it. He just spun upon the idea that was already part of the early Christians. So whose teaching was he explaining? I want y'all to listen to what Jesus said in verse 8, 31 through 36. So Jesus said to the Jews 
who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abram and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abram, yet you seek to kill me because my words find, finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not know what you have heard from your father. So here's what you will find. The most enslaved are the ones who argue they are the most free. Are you a slave to your self-righteousness? Constantly asking, needing others to see the good you have done for other people. Always needing others to acknowledge how you serve them, how you help them. Love them, desperately needing their approval in order to feel whole and justified. And people who fail to give you the recognition you're so desperate for, you respond with some form of righteous displeasure that's just overbearing because you got pride. You're dressed up in clothing of selfishness and humility. Most people see right through it, though. God certainly does. That's not freedom, y'all. That's slavery. So now I have to ask you, so now that you know Christians, our main idea today, is we all are slaves, but Christians are free. What about your ambitions? How you feel about your ambitions? More often, they're not feeling unsure about your sense or yourself, but you're displaying assurance but that ain't really how you feeling. Always changing a bigger bag to no matter how short you change yourself or neglect while you're reaching for that sense that you believe is God sent. Not knowing how to slow down, not knowing how to sit still for a minute. Getting anxious whenever you feel like that bag isn't growing fast enough. My brothers and sisters, I have to tell you, you won't find true freedom building your freedom. That's slavery. And the people close to you, they see right through it. <laughs> the only thing is, they don't want to tell you about it because they're too scared of the cause of disagreement. They know what holds your heart. God certainly does. So now I have to ask you, are you a slave to your appetite? You can't stop that constant desire to shop till you drop. You get bored with your clothes as quickly as the season change. Before it becomes summer, you out shopping. You scroll through profile after profile, video after video, online boutiques and stores 
to improve your presentation on your lack of better terms for swag. <laughs> Trying to convince yourself that you're not consumed by this because God loves beauty and you're just enjoying his good gifts. Even though pictures of yourself overshadow your social media pages and deep down, you're hungry for the attention and affirmation amount of likes and comments it go bring you. Maybe you're hungry making money. Maybe it's food. It's impossible to consume your way to satisfaction. Those close to you notice your bottomless appetite, but they don't want to make you feel judged, so they keep their concerns to themselves. That's slavery, friends. I want you to know God is not fooled by the way you spiritualize those desires of your old self. Look inside and have the courage to call it just what it is. Realize you're still prone to wander back into the slavery of sin. Confess the voice, the idol that has taken God's rightful place. Know that none of this makes you unlovable to God, though. The struggle simply makes you a human being in need of his redemptive grace. Just like everyone else, we think God is distant from us and our weakness, but that's where he is the closest to us. All right, you can take your seatbelts off now because we're out of the turbulence. We're about, we about to settle back out because we're about to go home, going to Hawaii. <laughs> we experience God's presence when we lay down our pride. God is most visible to us when we are most vulnerable with him. So let's read verse 17 through 19. And it tells us, But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, to have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That tells us that a new voice has taken hold of your heart. You know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Following his voice means following a standard of teaching we committed ourselves to through faith. Faith is actually actively imitating Jesus' beliefs and his behaviors upon his word. That's obedience. Obedience to Christ is salvation. Obedience to his voice is the process of sanctification as our hearts, the center of our being aligned with the heart of Jesus Christ. And in that place of abiding, obedience to the voice of Christ, we find that true freedom. You will follow his voice of purity or keep shacking. Which one you go do? Follow his voice of purity or keep shacking up? Will you follow his voice to forgiveness or resenting? Or will you follow his voice into the community or keep isolating? 
So who do you obey? To know whose slave you are, you have to ask yourself, what fruit do you reap? That's our point number two. What fruit do you reap? Paul is describing this in verse 20 through 22. But he tells us, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Paul is describing our spiritual life before and after Christ. Before Christ, we were totally depraved. Unable to purse any form of righteousness. It might look good in the mirror. It might look good to others. But all of life was completely stained by sin. So the apostle asks, what did you get as a result of all that slavery? What fruit did you experience? Whatever purpose we thought we had, whatever pleasure was experienced, was revealed as rotten produce. We were like an apple with skin that looked shiny and beautiful and alive, but our core was rotten. We were dead on the inside. Think back to when you was in grammar school. Um, some of us might got to look back a little further, so why don't we just focus on our grandkids? It's easier. <laughs> Remember the, remember the show Snow White? The witch kept offering her that nice, shiny, pretty apple. She kept saying, no, no, no. But eventually she took it. And she found out it was rotten on the inside. That is the way we were. We were like Snow White. We were Snow White. It's easy for us to get tricked into things. But oh, glory, who do we got on top of us, though? We got our glorious grace right there, waiting to help us. Because your life has been restored. We're still slaves, but we slaves to God. And in that life is freedom. You ask, how can this be? How is living inside of a boundary, even a God-given boundary? So let's take, back, let's take a walk back to how all this began back in Genesis 3. You remember the story of Adam and Eve. They was enjoying life free from sin, free from shame. They walked with God in the cool of the day. Their every need was met. They enjoyed all that beauty, that paradise, which we know as the Garden of Eden. Everything they had to offer was right there. They obeyed God's simple instructions. Eat of any tree in this massive place, except one. Yet, where was they when the serpent came? Right by that tree, he told them, don't, don't eat from. See, the serpent gets them to question the nature of God's heart. Then he, questioned, then he had them question the understanding of freedom. So do you see what the serpent does? He inflates the boundaries God has set and made them reasonable, unreasonable, and, br and brutal. God defined freedom as being to live, love, and flourish within the protection of a boundary. But the serpent, he redefines freedom 
as a right to act, speak, and think however you please without any resistance. When we choose to refine freedom, all that is left is slavery. The fruit they ate was rotten. They reaped a, har a harvest, but it was a harvest from hell. Separation from God. Removal from Eden. Sin. Death. Thorns in the ground. Pain in childbirth. So I've heard. It was the greatest tragedy the world has ever known. I know we all have done things that we were ashamed of before we became slaves to God. We didn't even have, we were so ashamed till we couldn't even go to God and ask God for forgiveness. That's how ashamed we were. <laughs> but boy, won't he deliver you when you decide to make that crossover. Now when you commit those sins that you don't really intend to do, that you don't even know it's a sin at that time, you can go to him now and ask for forgiveness because you put all your hope, faith, and trust in him that he will lead you to him whenever you sin. When we live as slaves to righteousness, we experience the fruit of that obedience. Paul tells us exactly what fruit is. He describes the fruit of the law of slavery to sin as the, as the worship team can start to make their way back up. I can tell you that while we experience the kingdom of God advancing, we are also seeing very clearly a harvest of the flesh. The outworking of slavery. When we purge and even defend the world's definition of freedom, we end up scraping and scratching and fighting for the wrong thing. God is not trying to limit our enjoyment to keep something good from us. He is always and only good. And he fashioned us in such a way that through the boundaries that he set in place, that Jesus model, we will experience the satisfying work of God that ends in eternal life. Because he created all this for us. Finally, to know whose slave you are, you have to ask yourself, now you got to find out what destiny awaits you, and that's now we landing in our destination. We're getting ready to pull up to the gate, so put your, put your things around your necks. We're getting ready to get off. The old self works for sin and earns a wage. The big payout is death, but physically and spiritually for eternity. The new self that is under the grace of Christ receives a wage that was earned on their behalf. They didn't work for it. They're only able to accept it. The payout of the gospel is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And eternal life is not only focused on what we will be here for the believer in Christ. Eternal life doesn't just start when this life ends. It begins the moment we experience the freedom gifted to us through Christ. What destiny awaits you? Life in Christ or death in sin. If you have chosen life in Christ, then follow the Lord of your life and produce the fruit of obedience. Our spiritual life comes through our union in Christ, but the fullness of that life comes through obedience. The world can keep its credit cards, 
You sure can keep the Febreze. Give me Jesus Christ. Because everyone is a slave, but only Christians are free. This is what I want you to understand about slavery. Everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin because a slave obeys his master because he belonged to him. Slaves have no will of their own. They are in bondage to their masters. But by the power of Christ to overcome the power of sin, you have been set free and become a slave of righteousness. So we are free from the slavery of sin, but are instead slaves to God. Hallelujah. My God. My God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the movement today. We thank you, Lord, for removing me to the right slave side that I need to be on. Thank you for delivering me from things you have delivered me from. Thank you for making me where I'm not full of shame no more. Unclothed, clothed, no matter how you look at me, I'm not ashamed to look at you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We ask that you protect us as we go to and fro. In Jesus' name, we pray these mighty words. Amen. Thank you for flying Woodside Airlines. <laughs> thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.